In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, what's up? This is Vincent Williams. It's all soul. Wednesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on GTownRadio.com. Nicely done, Vince. You like that, right? I do. I like nailed that. the landing. I you did. Sure did. I did. It's like 9.5 all across. Uh oh, the Russian judge <laughs> gives me an 8.9. Eh, that damn curve. Crowd doesn't like that. So, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are um, reviewing an Academy Award winning yes, film it did. for Best Picture. Best Picture. It sure did. Jessica Tandy. Jessica Tandy. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Although, did you notice Morgan Freeman got top billing? He did get top billing. Yeah. He very much did. And Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd showing up every couple of scenes, stealing money from the studio. (laughs) In Driving Miss Daisy. Hulk, you're my best friend. But before we get into... Miss Daisy, I got to make water. Before we get into the fun, (laughs) that will be our review of this movie. We do have a a few pieces of feedback and business that we need to take care of. We want to thank each and every one of you that reaches out to us via email at MichelleMission.com or like to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MichelleMission or Mission and Michelle, as it were. Um, We heard from... Let's see. On Twitter. All right. We got a tweet. We got a tweet. We heard from Joseph Lechuga. Hey, what's up, Joseph? Haven't heard from him in a minute. Yes. At Lechuga underscore Joseph, who said Shaft Superfly, not black exploitation. What makes a movie black exploitation? Hashtag. I know it when I see it. It's a good question. I think it's a matter of quality. Okay. I think it's a matter of. Um. What do you mean by quality? I think that both Shaft and Superfly have a level of polish. Right. That removes them from the genre. You think so? I do. I mean, their storylines are definitely byproducts of the I think of the genre. I mean, I might go with you for Superfly, but if you you can actually take the entire um plot of Shaft and and transport it and turn into a Philip Marlowe. Okay, maybe you could. Story. But but the aesthetic of Shaft. Right. 
is black exploitation right well i i really do when i think black exploitation there's and and and, and joseph kind of says it in in his hashtag i think there's a feeling like there's an yeah. energy yeah. to black exploitation yeah. that that i always use so that you know and we've talked about you know something like um claudine or um or uptown saturday night and you don't think that that energy is is I don't think just because it is a black film from the 70s it should automatically get the term black exploitation. No, I hear you on, on that, but you don't think that 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 energy is present in in Shaft or Superfly? I don't. Because I would argue that it's more ple- present in those two movies than it's present at all in Claudine. Well, well, I'm, well we said we wouldn't say Claudine was black exploitation. Okay. And I think they're just action. Well, you know, in, in Shaft, in the case of Shaft, right. Shaft is an action movie. Okay. And then what about Superfly? I think Superfly, again, it's just, there's a slickness to Superfly. There's a sheen that Superfly has that when I think of, and, and you know, uh, appropriately enough with our conversation last week, mm-hmm. when we talked about um, Black Belt Jones, mm-hmm. like I feel like black exploitation is really almost a specific type of grindhouse film. Okay. So, you know, like I feel like Black Belt Jones has more in common with, you know, I don't know, I spit on your grave than mm-hmm. it does these other films because they are, you, you know, you can tell they kind of churned them out. Mm-hmm. You, you can tell that they were meant to have a short run. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they, they just want to kind of get their money back. You can right. tell... And we talked about with elements of a Black Belt Jones, but with a lot of these films, like the continuity isn't really there necessarily, and mm-hmm. there are plot elements that, like, like there's this real again, it's it's the it's a grindhouse movie, like it's this real energy there. There's this this speed, okay, that I don't think Superfly or Shaft has. See, I think that Superfly and Shaft, while I agree. They certainly have a sheen or a a level of quality or slash expertise that separates them from the majority of black exploitation films. Okay. I still think that they solidly belong in that genre. Maybe Shaft more so for its aesthetic and mood as opposed to its story elements, but Superfly wholeheartedly because, you know, in, in, in every aspect, it just is, it's just well done. And the comparison that I would use for that is, you know, we speaking about black Bell Jones, uh, thinking about enter the dragon, enter the dragon is a karate movie. It's a yeah. kung fu movie, yet it definitely has a sheen and a slickness and uh, a level of expertise that w- was not found in the majority of kung fu movies a- in that day. Even the kung fu movies that that followed in his wake done by America. Hashtag Black Belt Jones. I actually disagree with that. Like when I think about Kung Fu theater, like, you know, that they would play on a Saturday afternoon and, and, you know, and, and, and you know, your beloved Bruce Lee knockoffs and right. all of the Shaw brothers films from yeah. this period. I never, ever think about Chinese connection or into the dragon or like, I never think about Bruce Lee films 
Really? I, I mean, I, Chinese connection. And I and and you know, I have a fondness for Chinese Fist connection. Of Fury. Fist of Fury. You, you know, because they are kind of they do have that low budgetness to them. Right. But I really do. I do. I think you know. Again, back to the Shaw brothers. I think there's an energy there. Like there's this just sort of and and look, this is all subjective. Yeah, this and, is very subjective. Yeah, but I'm just saying, me, I think that there are some films that transcend the genre, and because they transcend them, when I think about them, I don't necessarily put them in the genre. Okay, I don't think that they necessarily transcend the genre, though. I think they be, what they become is the benchmark right. for the genres. Okay. You know, that's where I say, I, I don't, mean, but you I know, don't think certainly, that they step outside right. of it, you know, because like the Shaw brothers, they had a different energy, but they had a different vibe. They had a different uh, aesthetic and style of story that, or in, in, in setting of story that they wanted to tell. But I think that like the Bruce Lee films, it fit very much in the wheelhouse of, of many of the best films of Sonny Chiba. I was just about I was just about to fix my mouth to talk about the Sonny Chiba films and why did I just forget his character's name? Oh, I don't even remember. I just know he used to dig up people's noses. <laughs> I feel like because when you talked about the setting, like a lot of the Shaw Brothers films are set during that fifteenth, sixteenth yeah. century period, but the Sonny Chiba films are set in modern day. Are set in modern day, and I felt like they had more in common with the Shaw Brother films. Really? Than they did the Bruce Lee films. Uh, I mean, maybe what they... was Sonny Chiba's character? Because it was like, oh, all right. Uh, well, we got Google. Got to Google because it was him, and then like his sister had a movie, and oh, what was the Sonny Chiba? It should pop up first. <laughs> it should, and yet it doesn't. Maybe you can cut out some of this. Maybe you cut out this the editing. You always say you're gonna cut some of this out, but then you leave it on, and then we just sound like we're flailing. Some of it I leave in. I, I cut all. I cut out a lot of. It. We're just sort of flailing. All right, he, he's played a lot of Street characters. Fighter. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, but yeah, like Sister Street Fighter, Return of the Street Fighter, this Street Fighter, that Street Fighter. Because <laughs> remember, it was like five Street Fighter. Like I was like once his sister got involved. Yes. I said, oh, yeah, this is out of control. Like, to me, again, it's that grindhouse. Like, they kind of churned them out. And these, like you said, they were set during modern times. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, I think that they're, even though they, they are set during modern times, I think there is a timelessness about the Bruce Lee films okay. that you don't have with the Sonny Chiba films. Okay. That, to me kind of puts them in that same again Shaw Brothers you know the five deadly venoms like everything that we love mm-hmm. those are genre films to me like those are the you know again it's like Grindhouse and then everything falls under that so that's how come you know to me Bruce Lee Shaft uh, uh, The Wicker Man like you know you start talking about like that kind of post hammer or, or Hammer 70s films right. where, you know, like that's the small English villagey stuff. Right. But like the Wicker Man is like an actual film. Right, right, right. I, I, I lift all of those out of the genre. Okay. So that's me, Joseph. As you can see, even within House Michelle, there's a debate. 
Yes. Vince is wrong. Romario Manuel <laughs> hit us up at What's Romario up, Manuel Romero? on. Um, now I'm going to go watch The Wicker Man now. <laughs> hit us up on Twitter. Hey, brothers, you probably know this by now, and I think Vince mentioned it before, but Jim Kelly passed away back yeah. in 2013. Yeah, I knew he had died fairly recently. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a shame. It is a shame. You know, again, good dude. That's what I hear. You never met him? I I never did meet. I, I mean, I never had coffee with him or anything, but, you know, just kind of, you know how it is. Like, right. you go to, like, the little conventions, and yeah. you see, like, the dude standing there. Right. We also got a new um, uh, review on iTunes. Oh. From SB Crush. Okay. My new favorite. Five stars. Oh, thank you, SB Crush. We appreciate that. I just that. discovered this podcast and have listened to at least 10 episodes in the last few days. The All conversation right. is Easy. insightful and entertaining. Don't hurt yourself. Plus, funny <laughs> as hell. Even the guests have been great. Very nice. Well, thank you for that. And let's hear it for binging. You know what I'm binging right now? What are you binging? Orphan Black. Oh, Orphan Black is good. I, I got to get into the last season. People have been telling me for years to watch Orphan Black, and now I've been sitting on my sofa like the past two weeks hitting myself in the head going, I Where can't believe, was I? why didn't I watch this? When you watch that show, I don't know, what, what season are you in? I am in the middle of season two. When you, oh, even, even in season two, even after season one, but even after season two, it is criminal that any woman in Hollywood, any woman who puts herself before a camera wins any acting award before Tatiana Maslany. She is a beast. She is a beast, man. She is playing like 12 parts in this movie, and they all are separate. Well, not only are they all separate, but like you said, even in the first season, they start flexing a little bit, where they had her playing a character pretending to be other characters. Yes. All played by the same actress, and you can tell. Yes. I said, boy, she she is killing it right now. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a late late come around her to it. But it's I, a great I am series. loving Orphan Black. It's a great series. You know what? I haven't quite binged it. Yeah. But I started watching. I've only watched one episode, and because I kind of promised to watch it with uh, Lily Trouble. Don't you hate that? Don't you hate when you gotta wait for them to watch stuff? And I don't know about Lily Tribble, but Wife Tribble be going to sleep. Oh, she goes to sleep all the time. What is that about? She goes all to sleep all the time. So I'm eventually I'm going to be ahead. Right, it's just, right, you right. Know, things have happened. And then we, we, we talked about this before. You know, Netflix um, snitches. Oh yeah, I know. So you know you can't oh, even know. yeah. So but I go know, ahead. Trust me, when I first locked her down to watch this show, I said, "Well, somebody's been watching this show already. I've been waiting for you to watch it." Like, oh, well, I don't, I don't oh, know. I haven't even watched oh, it. I never even heard oh. of it. I hit play, re- rewind, play it from the beginning. It's five minutes in. She's like, "Oh yeah, oh, I, yeah, I kind of I watched. I yeah, that's this time watching. I fell asleep." Netflix is dirty, but what are you watching? Ozark. You know what my brother was telling me about Ozark? Jason Bateman. Are you liking it? Yo. Son. Okay. That joint, after one episode. First of all, 
I am solidly have always solidly been in the Jason Bateman camp. Good dude. I've been in his good after I mean silver spoons. Yeah. Like that's how much I was like, yo, this dude is the bomb. But on this joint, oh, he's it's so good. Jason Bateman had a series for like dude, it was like like six episodes. But it was like right during that Parker Lewis can't lose where his mom married a dude or was dating a dude and the whole show was about him and the dude trying to one up each other. Yes. And it was because he was still a young boy because he was still a young boy, but it was really dark. Yeah. Yeah. It was too soon. It was too soon. It was ahead of his And time. I remember loving that show. Yep. And it, and it was short-lived. Because the stepfather guy was was not, like, he was bringing it. Yeah. So it was like these two people kind of going at it. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm a big Jason Bateman. And then, you know, of course, Arrested Development. Yeah, Arrested Development. I even liked him, Quiet as Kept. I liked him on, um, on uh, The Hogan Family. Because, <laughs> right. Yeah, right, that's right, because right. I'm... I'm uh, I'm a. I have a soft spot for Valerie Harper. I, I, hey played, man, you know everybody does. You know what? Well, well, did uh, rest in peace. Yeah, but um, she thought the um she thought the studio had a softer spot for her. Yeah, how did. about that? Man. How you get killed off your own show? I know, man. That's it, that's that's a shame. That does make me chuckle about Orphan Black. Like she is in a position to demand money more than any actor in Hollywood. Hmm. She is. She is. It's um, oh man, that she, uh, she is so good. I'm trying to find that uh show that Jason Bateman one. That Jason. Bateman oh, good luck show. with that. It's your move. It's your move. Yep, because I know it. Yep, it's your move. Mean spirited show. Ooh, I loved it. Yeah, because that was him coming off of um, Silver Spoons, right? Which I've you know because I love I love like getting into old Hollywood history and mm-hmm. stuff like that. The reason why he got that show is because yes, his star was blossoming off of Silver Spoons, but they, the producers, well, not so much the producers, but you know, the star of Rick, uh, Silver Spoons was Ricky Schroeder. Right. His parents were really big to get Jason off of that show because they could see that he was outshining. You know what? Ricky I've Schroeder. heard that before. I've yeah. heard that story, and that's how. Was was Alfonso Ribeiro already there, or did they kick up his role? They kicked or, up his role. I, I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, his parents were right. <laughs> yes, they were. Like I can't even be mad at Ricky Schroeder's parents. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. It's like you know, yeah, y'all saw it, and I, I guess you know, if, they, if, if that was, hey, was Ricky Schroeder's parents, I might have done yeah. the same thing. So yeah, you're like the third person. To tell me about Ozarks, I'm gonna have to catch that. That's good. Plus, I'm gonna have to if you that. have epics, and a lot of people don't have epics. I don't. They did. They're doing a series adaptation of the movie Get Shorty. Yeah, how was that? But they're doing it kind of like I don't know if you ever seen Fargo. Oh, I love Fargo. Like you so know, last season was kind of. But you know how Fargo, like it's it's based on the movie, but it's kind of and it's kind of an anthology twist. almost. Yeah. They're doing they're doing get shorty, but it's a twist. Nice the story is twisted. You know, it's not quite the same characters, not the same names and everything okay. like that. I've only seen it's. I think it's only actually only been three episodes so far because it's weekly. Mm-hmm. 
It's really good. Okay. It's really good. Crystal Dow. No, Ray, Ray Romano. Ray, Ray Romano has quietly made himself a, it turned himself into a very good actor. I feel like me and maybe non-old people were the only ones who watched Men of a Certain Age. You and me. I love Men of I a Certain Nobody talks show. about Men of a Certain Age. No. No. Well, it. It didn't. Nobody watched it. I mean, it was on for like four seasons, though. They can only last it like like three. Three. Yeah, I love Men of a. And the third one, they kind of like ran overnight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love Ray Romano. Yeah, that was a good show. That as much good. as I'm concerned about strangers, like he one of them dudes that I feel like somebody needs to call him periodically and why check you, on him. Why you say that? I feel like he needs to go see somebody. Why? Like he's real dark. Like he comes off as as depressed. You think so? I do. Like anybody well, who's well, friends comedian. with Ray Romano, like like check on him every couple of weeks. The dude is paid in full. I understand I all of fine. that. Yeah, so was Robin Williams. Okay, I'm just saying. Ray Romano strikes me as a, a not quite as dark all right. A, I'm a just saying creature as Robin if anyone Williams. listening, if y'all are friends with Ray Romano, you know, just check on him every couple of weeks. <laughs> all right, go get coffee with him. Go get coffee. Tell him Vince sent you. Tell him Vince said, you know, hey man. I see you. <laughs> see, I have concerns. I have a heart. You're right. Oh, the long swords are coming out <laughs> in a minute. But right now, you know, we're having a pleasant conversation. We are having a pleasant conversation. I think that's uh, that's all of the feedback. Okay. All right. Well, we thank have. you. Now, one other question I want to pose to you real okay. quick before we get into our review. Me on on my other show or one of the other shows that I host. Got like fifteen shows. I know, I know. I've needed to release this week. It's been a rough week. Um, on the other show, Gutter Talk. Yes, which is about the comic book. Yes, which me and you are big fans of. Big fans. We were talking about it recently. Was the is the one hundredth birthday of Jack Kirby? Yes, it is. And, you know, yes, big, it big, is big, getting played up big yeah. on, on the internet. And mm-hmm. Marvel is doing a whole bunch of special covers and yeah. all this other type of stuff, right? So we started thinking about, you know, Jack Kirby. Yes, he's, he's certainly worthy to be praised. Absolutely for his his legendary output. So we were thinking about who else in the comic book industry when they reach their one hundredth birthday. Do you think we will be celebrating outside of the first name off of everybody's list, which is Stanley? So, uh, and and outside of, I'm assuming like the wave that we already acknowledge. So, like the Eisners, the Wally Woods, the well, here's you the, know the EC Comics. Well, crew, here's the thing. Like, I, like I, I believe, like speaking of Will Eisner, because he didn't come in, right? Come up, Will Eisner, the creator of the Spirit, right? Um, and uh, a lot of like, 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 like true life comic books, you know, and basically rewrote the whole visuals of the, of the medium. Um, for those who don't know. Also invented Ebony White. I've never forgiven him. You'll never forgive him for Ebony White. Mm He, I feel like he is a name that when it went, if he hasn't already reached his 100th birthday, they'll celebrate. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. I don't know if there's anybody else. Oh, like I said Wally. A, I think you said Wally Wood. I don't think Wally. I don't think Wally Wood. Will Maybe not Wally like Wood, but but Alex Toff, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Carl, I don't know. Carl Barks, Carl Barks, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Carl Barks, that's a very good. You, you one. know, um, 
I'll give you Carl Barks, the creator of Uncle Scrooge. Right. Uh, arguably the 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 most uh, the best creation that Absolutely. ever came out of House of Disney. Um, I'll give you that. The reason why I wouldn't give you Alex Toff is because legendarily Alex Toff was a curmudgeon who argued with everybody. So I don't think he will be as fondly remembered. Okay. All right. So who who's celebrating? Like like the fans, the the pros, well, the both, the world. Both. I, I mean, like I like uh, JD, my host, on, my co-host on, on right, uh, right. Got to talk. He said Steve Ditko. Oh, I think Ditko was more of a curmudgeon than um Toth. Yeah, see, but as much people as, hated Ditko. Well, but people hate. Do you think that they hate him? I think because people, he really ducked away from. I the think limelight. people hate Ditko at this exact second as we're speaking. I don't know who like know. still work at Marvel. Like there are people on Marvel's payroll who don't like Ditko. But why don't they like him? He, he ducked he away was, from because he was an ass. You think so? Yeah, I, think I he never was. heard he was. An oh ass. yeah, yeah, just that. very much. You, you know, my way or the highway, and then you know he got into the uh, libertarian stuff. I mean, he's okay. not a cool dude. Okay, I love him, and you know me, I love like the eighties Ditko stuff. Like I like, like I like them weird Captain Universe comics he was doing in like the eighties for like Marvel premiere. <laughs> oh yeah, like I love stick figure Ditko, Ugh. <laughs> but like Mister A, exactly, Ugh. exactly. But um, maybe Dick um. Gordano? Jerry Dano? Nah. I mean, nah. I'm, t- he, I'm trying he, to think. He was a guy that was hated when he was editor in chief. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Infantino? Think- Carmine Infantino? Infantino. Infantino. names. You know, I've never said him out loud before this exact second. <laughs> um, maybe Carmine. He, he wasn't that liked either. But um, I was going to say um, maybe. And he was a curmudgeon too. Alan Moore. No. I don't think so. I mean, the Watchmen. Dude, they're a word that starts with F and ends with K I N G and not forking him right now. Oh, okay. Like, I'm convinced this whole countdown to Doomsday deal with the Watchmen in DC Comics is somebody in the office actually saying less blankety blank with Alan Moore. Okay. All right. Have you seen the cover? Have you seen with, with Rorschach's face? Yes. With the, it actually made me laugh out loud. It was so disrespectful to Alan Moore. I laughed out loud. People don't know what you're talking about. So The Watchmen is, is of course, one of Alan Moore's most famous comic book creations. Right. And the, DC is in the midst of integrating The Watchmen into DC continuity. Right. And which they've forever have been outside which, of the continuity. Which they've always been outside of the continuity because it's like one of the great masterworks of comics and you know no one would ever touch it. You know it's, it's just pristine in its stance on its own. So the fact that they're bringing it in to quietly fix a mess that should never have been there from th- five years ago True, is so disrespectful that it's gone past disrespectful to hilarious. Watchmen famously was supposed to the copyright was supposed to go back to more when it went out of print. And it's never And part of the reason initially that they never let it go out of print was because they didn't want him to get the copyright back. Yeah. They did the before Watchmen series a few years ago. Which actually 
you know, a couple of those stories. A couple of them, you, you know, I have were, to say, good. I bought used copies because I really did. Like, like I really did. You know, like it, it was, it was so disrespectful. So, but the um, yeah, a couple of them are pretty good actually. Yeah, like, the, the, like, the the Minutemen and the Silk Spectre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's the only one that. But um, we real comic booky right now. Of course, you started it. I did start it. You started. No, don't you know? I'll sit I did here. start it. So please stay I'll tuned. Sit, I'll sit stay here. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. We're about to get into the movies. All right. We're about to get into our review of Driving Miss Daisy. My mother's a little high strung. The fact is, you'd be working for me. She can say anything she likes, but she can't fire you. I wouldn't be in your shoes if the sweet Lord Jesus come down and asked me himself. I don't need you. I don't want you. And I don't like you saying I'm rich. What are you doing? I'm trying to drive you to the stove. You're speeding, I can see it. We're only doing about 19 miles an hour. I like to go under the speed limit. But speed limit's 35, yeah. Nothing came easy. Morning, Miss Daisy. You leave my flower bed alone. They didn't connect. I just love a house of pictures, Miss Daisy. I don't want you nosing through my things. They couldn't agree. You took the wrong turn at Old Polica. Well, now you took it with me, Miss Daisy. And you got the man. They wouldn't give in. Well, I'll help you to the door. Thank you, Hope. I can help myself. Now, ain't just some back of the neck you look at while you're going wherever you got to go. I'm a man. But from place to place... I ever tell you about the first time I leave the state of Georgia? When was that? A few minutes back. <laughs> from season to season... It's not a Christmas present. Oh, no. Well, go on, open it up. Well, look at that. Ain't nobody never given that book before, Miss Daisy. For 25 years, they shared each other's lives. You ought not to be driving anything the way you see. How you know how I can see less than you can look out my eyes. And touched each other's hearts. Hulk? Yes. You're my best friend. Morgan Freeman, Jessica Tandy, Dan Aykroyd, Driving Miss Daisy. Did you have the air conditioning checked? I told you to have the air conditioning checked. I don't know what for. You don't never allow me to turn it on. Hush up. Goodbye. Good luck. Good God. Driving Miss Daisy is a 1989 American comedy drama film directed by Bruce... Uh, Bursford. Mm-hmm. You can't even pronounce his name. You know why? You know why? Because don't nobody give a damn about him. Written by Alfred Urey, uh, based on his play of the same name. The film stars Jessica Tandy, Morgan Freeman, and Dan Aykroyd. Freeman reprised his role from the original off-Broadway production. The story defines Daisy and her point of view through a network of relationships and emotions by focusing on her home life, synagogue, friends, family, fears, and concerns over a 25-year period. At the 62nd Academy Awards in 1990, Driving Miss Davy received nine nominations, winning the Academy Award for Best Picture, Best Actress for Jessica Tandy, Best Makeup, and Best Adapted Screenplay. 
this film, which was wildly heralded at the time of its release by none other than Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel Mm -hmm. um, of the Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Tribune, um, respectively. Uh, Is the selection of... It is. Vincenzo. It is. Before I begin, I wanted to ask you about those nine nominations. Yes. Hey, Lynn, was one of them for Best Director? No, it was not direct. Uh, it was nominated. not. Hey, Lynn, isn't that strange? It is. Strange. In fact, it's so strange. When did that happen before that? Let me help you. 1932. Hadn't happened since 1932 that a picture was nominated for Best Picture, but was not nominated for Best Director. I believe it was Billy Crystal who said it was the film that directed itself. Yes, it was. He did say that. It's almost as if the awards that it got were based on politics and not merit. Mm, okay. I don't know if you can say I'm that. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know it's, if you can say that. I mean, I, that's mine. I mean, you, I mean, who made the movie? Like, this, you made the movie. Best picture. You may say. 1937. The year my mom was born. Also, the year that legendary writer Zora Neale Hurston publish her, publishes her famous novel. Oh boy! Oh yeah! Their eyes were watching God. The story of Janie and Janie's growth through three relationships as we watch her fully become herself. As the novel opens, pull back on that mic. <laughs> Janie is returning to town. Yes. After her lover Tea Cake has died. As she walks into this town, Zornor Hurston describes the scene as all the black people in town are watching Janie coming in. And she says, and I quote directly from the text The people all saw her come because it was sundown. The sun was gone, but he had left his footprints in the sky. It was the time for sitting on porches beside the road. It was the time to hear things and talk. These sitters had been tongueless, earless, eyeless conveniences all day long. Mules and other brutes had occupied their skins, but now the son and the boss man were gone. So the skins felt powerful and human. They became lords of sound and lesser things. They passed nations through their mouths. They sat in judgment. Third paragraph, first page. And in 250 pages after this, this is the only time Zora Neale Hurston references the fact that everybody in this novel, for the most part, is a domestic and a worker and some type of laborer for the white people. Mm-hmm. Because Zora Neale Hurston understands that this does not define these people's lives. Right. 11 years before this, 1926, Elaine Locke, in his seminal essay, The New Negro, mm-hmm. where he's introducing an audience to Langston Hughes, Conte Cullen, all of these new writers and artists coming out of Harlem and urban centers doing all this stuff. He says, this is not a quote, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. that the term New Negro is actually a misnomer because the old Negro has never existed the shuffling, coonish, Tom, good Tom, happy, 
just rambling, yes, a boss Negro has only existed in the white imagination. Hmm. He's never actually been a real person. Hmm. Now, I'm not just trying to show how clever I am by pulling up these things. But for almost a hundred years, black people have been talking about this bullshit with this stuff. Okay. Of these servants and these these people that exist. Hoke? And it said in no Hoke Colburn. Yes. Because I had to look it up because they said his whole name what one time? Like at the very beginning, did they say it? Yes. Because I didn't hear it. But they said apparently he's he says it one time. Hoke is not even a person. He has no interiority. He has no 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 hopes, no dreams, no thoughts, no weaknesses, no emotions. He has nothing that is not attached to Miss Daisy. I will now tell you all of the facts that I've gleaned about Hoke's life. An hour in, Hoke mentions he has a daughter. Yes. I lied. I'm lying. At the very beginning, he mentions that he doesn't want to work too far away from his grandchildren. Yes. He says that. An hour later, he says he has a daughter. Mm -hmm. At the very end, his granddaughter, who teaches a spellman, drops him off. Mm -hmm. That's all we know about Hoke. I don't know if Hoke is married. I mean, I assume he's married. He has on a wedding ring, but he don't mention no wife. I don't know if he's a widower. I don't know where he lives. I don't know why he's working for this woman. I don't know anything about Hoke. Okay. Hoke's whole existence Mm -hmm. is there for Miss Daisy. And this is like, this is like patient zero of this thing. And we have it this conversation every couple of years Hollywood wheels out one of these movies with these black servants okay. that have no life whatsoever no that that's worth exploring except in reference to the white main character and what they do okay so there's that and there's you know we talk about the politics of that and this that and other but you know what I'm so glad that I watched this movie today because what I realized is that I saw it the first time and I think I was so enraged I couldn't even see straight. And then I saw it again, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. I mean, I saw it with my father and he and I argued throughout the movie, so I didn't even really pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. But watching it today, this is what I realized about driving Miss Daisy. It ain't even that good. It ain't even that good. Morgan Freeman is in second gear the whole movie. He's just this walking cliche. Mm -hmm. He just sort of talks. Mm -hmm. Jessica Tandy is I. Jessica Tandy could not have been in Steel Magnolias. We joked last week after I don't think we do we do we talk about Cocoon on the mic? I don't. I don't know if we talked about but we talked about Cocoon. And I said her Academy Award they Donna Michied her. Donna Michi won the Academy Award in um three years prior for Cocoon. for Cocoon. And it's really just it was just part of this Life Achievement Award. Life Achievement old Hollywood stroke fest that Hollywood was going through at this moment. I forgot Jessica Tandy was in Cocoon. You know why I forgot? Cause she didn't do nothing. She's very okay. Jessica Tandy is not even really a character. Like there are no actual characters in this movie. 
Like their relationship from the moment she actually gets in the car mm-hmm. when they drive to the Piggly Wiggly and she's sort of crotchety but good natured and he's sort of wise and all known and, and infinitely patient with her all the way to the end when on Thanksgiving he comes to feed her pa. He didn't come to feed her pa. He came to see her. Well, Dan Aykroyd brought him to see her on. Th- and you know what, Lynn? And I mean this. This is a document. I love you like a brother. I really do. I wish for God you'd call me on Thanksgiving and want me to do something. <laughs> if you call me on Thanksgiving, talking about Vince, I need you to do something. It better be the hot of body. And somehow I'm implicated in the murder. So much so, I joked about it when you start talking. Everybody knew this was some old symbolic stuff. Late 80s, a lot of stuff going on, turbulent times, lots of people, lots of white people felt untethered to the world. This made them feel good. This is an old-timey, feel-goody, back when people knew their place and the blacks were smiling and they had a wonderful relationship with them. Robert Monroe Jr. just talked about a few weeks ago the person calling in one of the old darky movies. This is an old darky movie made in 1989. So much so that it won a best picture and the damn director won even nominated. I don't nobody even think about the, nom- the, the director in this thing. Draven Miss Daisy. I will agree that Driven Miss Daisy did not deserve to win the Academy Award for Best Picture that year. I will I'll I'll I'm right with that. Um there were other more worthy nominees. Um, My Left Foot was nominated that year and I think Born on the Fourth of July also was nominated that year. Was it? Cuz I, I it, well I, I thought it was Field of Dreams and um... I was pretty sure that it was Born on the Fourth of July and My Left Foot. I know it was My Left Foot because um, I always thought that was because Daniel Day Lewis yeah. beat out Morgan Freeman right. for Best Actor, um, and he should have. But I always thought my left foot was overrated. You thought so? I did. I never thought it was good as good as everyone made it out to be. It was stunt. It was stunt acting. <laughs> okay, I didn't think it was stunt acting, yeah. but you know, if you... I didn't know Born on the Fourth of July was nominated that year. Yeah. Oh, that uh, really is a yeah. Crime. The best pictures were uh, nominated for Best Picture were Born. A- Born on the Fourth of July. Oh, that should have won. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. My which is Left okay. Foot. Overrated. Dead Poet Society. Doesn't age that well. Driving Miss Daisy. This bullshit. Okay, let's mark that time. Yeah. Um, Keep so- a nimble finger because that's going to come up. <laughs> I'm going to just let you know the phrase, this bullshit right here, is probably going to come up again. Well, at least it's clumped together. All right. Um, so I'll agree that it didn't deserve to win the best picture. Um, however, it, just going over some of your points, you do learn a bit more about Hulk's life in this movie. You learn about his daughter. You also um, learn that his daughter traveled because she's seen the world. She was married to a Pullman she Porter. Was, yes, right. Married right. to a Pullman Porter, mm-hmm. which got her to to go outside of Georgia and, and to actually see parts of the country yes. in whatever way it, it does allow. Yes. Okay. Yes. I tell um, you about the first time I let Georgia meet Daddy. It was just a couple of minutes ago. No, Hulk, you haven't. It hadn't did a couple minutes ago. 
<laughs> Let's go share coke on the side of the road because that's al- what black people and white people do he, in 1961. He also mentions that he does mention that he is a widow, a widower, and that his wife had died. When? He, he, when does that happen? He mentions that. Um, I believe it's early on when when he's walking with Dan Aykroyd to his office. I believe that's when he mentions it. Okay. It's either then, it's either then or he mentions it to um, Esther Rolls' character, the maid, uh, Ida May. Ida May. Um, but he does mention okay. how, how he is a widower. I didn't hear it. Okay. Uh, and of course, you heard him speak about his his granddaughter. Yes, his granddaughter at the end who drove him over. On right, but but he, but he spe- speaks affectionately about his granddaughter because, as you mentioned in the beginning, he mentions about not wanting to. Yes, you know, yeah. live live uh, far away from them. This, far, this quilt that you're sewing. And he also mentions he also mentions that you know the reason why he's taking on this job is because this was the job that he had had for a number of years. Um, because he was driving for, I believe, a judge yes. in in the town. And the only reason he no longer drove for that judge is because that judge died. Yes, but why is he driving that? Like, like what's he driving for? Like, what's what's the purpose of it? Well, that was his like job. His, his children are grown. That was his job. So he, he still, he still, the man still made, was making Lynn, money. Lynn, people work jobs for a reason. Yes, he wanted to make money. For what? He's, he should be retired. Okay, go ahead. Okay. We'll talk. We'll talk. I'm sorry. You're sorry. First of all, let's not make like there's not a whole lot of people even now in 2017 that are in their 60s and 70s still getting up at the crack of dawn going to work. Why? Because they have to. Yes, but I'm saying there's nothing in this that points to he has to. That's actually my point exactly. Like the text makes you think that this is like his calling. No, it doesn't think. No, no, that's not true. Like, there's nothing that says I need to feed my children. I need to take care of some people. I need to pay some bills. Like, there's no exchange that lets you think that I have to do this. Then I I, I disagree because the inference that I get from the movie is that he's he is driving. Yes, his his daughter is is. Is grown, so he no longer has his daughter, and his wife is his wife has died. He doesn't want to just sit around. He never says that, though. I think that I think it is inferred. It's inferred because once he does get the job, despite Miss um, Daisy's you know apprehension to having him do anything, all he is do all he does is spend those first few days looking for things to do. To keep to keep himself busy because that's because that's why he still has a job to keep to to keep busy to have something to do to have a reason to get up in in the morning at whatever age he is I think they they market that he's about ten or twelve years younger than Miss Daisy so which and she's in her early seventies in the beginning of the movie so it puts him in his early sixties so late fifties early sixties. So is it giving him a reason to get up? I think that is very much inferred let's, in the movie. Let's put a pin in that because I don't want to get too caught up. Keep going, keep going. So I because I don't buy that. So let's talk about that a little later. Feel free, go ahead, feel go free ahead, go ahead. That. But I think it's go there ahead. in the text, as yeah. you say. Yeah, um, it's not because, like you said, you had to infer it. Well, so I, it's not in the text. Well, not everything. There are some things. Okay, maybe it's not in the 
text, but I think that it, I no, I think it's in the text of the script, which may just be the, 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 the actions that the script sees, uh, sees played out. Go ahead. Cause I have some questions about, but go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I also recognize that while I don't consider this an African-American film, I do, however, recognize that you, you cannot, you cannot have this film without Morgan Freeman and Ida May's character being African-American. So it, it does kind of like fit into our genre, but I also recognize that this movie is about their friendship, but it is also predominantly about Miss Daisy. Right. This is Miss Daisy's story. It is driving Miss Daisy. And it's not and and, and it's driving Miss Daisy literally because that's what he's doing, but it also is uh subtly uh be, because it's about driving this woman who is awash in white privilege that she it's has no 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 awareness of mm-hmm. you know because she is simply a, a byproduct of her, of her time and driving her to the uh revelation of who she actually is and to uh to the point where she either has to come to grips with it or suffer the consequences and you can make an argument whether or not she actually ever does come to grips with it or more to the point suffers the consequences. I would argue that she actually does just suffer the consequences. Which are what? The consequences are that she lives primarily a solitary life where she does find herself reluctantly that yes, the deepest, truest relationship that she has developed in her life is with someone whom she would have never ever thought she would develop uh, she would develop that relationship with she she would never seek to develop that relationship with she had perfectly plenty of opportunity to develop the same relationship that she did with with Hope as with Ida May Ida May had been there from since the since Dan Aykroyd was a little boy, raised him. Mm-hmm. You know, she had plenty of opportunity to develop there, but she, but she never did. One because she was probably she was probably younger, and her, and her white privilege sure. was super strong at that time. You know, it was a, it was a mighty shield around her, and um, plus, God knows what the times were as as that whole situation was playing out. And Ida May, as had been played played in this movie, uh, it was. A woman who, boom, stayed in her lane. And she knew that she was going to, I'll stay in my lane, you stay in your lane, and we'll get along. Meanwhile, Hulk, maybe because of the relationship that he may may have had with the judge that who, whom he was driving, maybe a byproduct of what that job uh, is, maybe is a byproduct of the reason why he's brought on to this job and, and how he comes to get that job from from Dan Aykroyd who kind of like you know tell kind of like lays it on the line that it's not yes you're going to be a chauffeur but you know it's going to be a little bit more because you're going to you know my mom's going through some stuff 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 like like that 
Um, Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Looks to develop some type of rapport. I think he. I think he's only honestly just looking for a rapport with her because you just need it. As you, it was, I have a question. What about the women that she played? Was it Mahjong? I never know how to pronounce that. Mahjong. Mahjong. What, what about the women that she played Mahjong with and the women? Those she were not. Those were not her with. friends. Why, why weren't they her friends? Those were not her friends. Those were the people in her social circle. So why weren't they her friends? They weren't her friends because. Don't flail around. You're about to make up something no, because they never talk about it. No, they don't. It's th- never acknowledged. It's never. Acknowledged. It's never addressed. It's it's it is addressed. Okay, it speak is on addressed. how it's addressed. It's addressed in the very cold way in which they play mahjong. It's just about the the game. It's mm-hmm. not. It's you don't you don't see any uh, 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 conversation that explores each other's life. Like, oh, let me tell you about this. You don't see any of that. And I think and I think that's deliberate. Then it's also addressed that when she comes out of the synagogue and yes. Hoke is waiting there for her, the first thing in her mind is, "Oh my god, what do what do they think?" Right. You know, not that, you know, like as Hoke points out, there was like about three or four other chauffeurs right behind me, yes. you know, who more than who, more than likely, were probably for those women. Well, you know? yeah, there was, yeah, it was a lot of them. But she, but she doesn't even think that. All she immediately thinks about what they must be thinking about her, um, and you know, oh my god, about the impression that I must be setting. A, another window into the world of her relationship with them, the detachment from a true friendship that it is. And the third thing is that when the next time you do see them a few years later playing Mahjong at that table, they're basically going through the same same thing. They're just playing the games, making a little stupid jokes about the game. And you can you can see just a, a, a quick light of boredom come across her face. And that's why she gets up and walks to the kitchen, if only for a brief moment. To see what they are doing, she already knew what they were doing. She knew they were watching the watching the thing. She just wanted, in her own, you know, you know, curmudgeonly. I I I don't want to go for this way. She wanted to be a part of what they were doing, and that's why she walks to that into that kitchen to see what Hoke and Ida Mae are watching. And she already knows it. She already knows exactly what they're watching. Okay. So so it it is spoken about in that film 
this is a very thin. That's not thin. Spread. That's, you're it's not. On it's one. It's one. This is very. There is it's the. It's movie. a lot of interpretation and inference here, Mister Webb. But that's but the best movies. Oh my God! No, the, you. Okay, go ahead. The, the best, best movies, movies don't spell everything out for right, you. Right, right. But it does do something. Yes, and this movie does. It's a little cursory. This movie. This movie does. Here's the other thing. Here's, a, here's another thing I'll give you. Because I've heard a lot of people, and I think that you have even inferred this at all as well, you, it, through your little, you know, backhanded jokes, you know, who have, I'll say, a problem with Morgan Freeman's portrayal of Hoke. Is in this it's tough. It is a little rough. I'll give it. And I didn't remember how rough it was until I rewatched the movie. Because <laughs> you've heard so many people make jokes about it that you can't even believe that this was actually it. Yes. However. Okay, however. However. Now, this is not in the movie. Oh, I know. I'll give this, give you okay, this. Okay, what is your reading, is of, what is your reading of, of, of Morgan Freeman's portrayal of Oak? But the reason why... <laughs> I've been waiting for this all day. <laughs> the reason why I can ride with his portrayal of Hoke, it's because it reads to me like a more serious, mannered, yet just as, you know, over the top, uh, um, Betrayal of Richard Pryor's Mudbone character. No, not at all. I do not at all. I, I that's not at how all. I read it. No, well, you know. Then you I, obviously have never actually listened to Mudbone, I've which to I know every, isn't true. I've listened to every Mudbone, everything that Mudbone. Has I done. know you have. That's why I know you're just reaching right now. I'm not reaching. Mudbone not reaching. is so extraordinarily intelligent. He is. That you know that Mudbone is putting on. Ooh. With his speech, Ooh, with no, his playfulness no, of no, language. No, no, no. Mudbone is putting no, on. He's not putting Mudbone on. is Mudbone doing is the signifying monkey. No, Mudbone he's not. is Richard no, Pryor. Mudbone is so smart. He is smart. That th- you know that there is an aspect of Mudbone where he wants you to drop your guard and think that he's dumber than he is. But I'm saying, I'm saying, but there is none of that the, in Hoke. The closest you get no, to that's, it, that's the true. closest you get to Hoke maybe being smarter than he appears to be is that that kind of weird negotiation about his salary that is so ham-fisted and so over the top and it's just another opportunity for Dan Aykroyd who I said at the beginning just stole the studio's money he just shows up every couple of scenes and goes oh mama or oh Hoke or oh you too like he's just sort of you scamps you old scamps I'm like that is a damn shame Dan Aykroyd took these people's money 
and just just kind of shows up and does it every day. There is not one no. moment no. where Hulk is anything other than what he appears to be. Again, he has no interiority. He has no anything like that whole thing. And I'm, I, you know, I tried to wait a minute. You know, Hulk don't have nothing to do, and Hulk is Hulk is just trying to fill the days. Like Hulk ain't Hulk Hulk. Hulk ain't a mason. Hulk ain't an elk. Hulk don't fish. Hulk don't hunt. Okay. Hulk don't have no friends. Hulk don't want to spend no time with his family. Hulk don't have no, because you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know about you, but the men in my family, like you said, it started when he was 60. Hulk wanted a 60 year old man ain't necessarily finished with the ladies. Hulk don't have no ladies. Hulk don't drink, but the Hulk movie don't is not, gamble. But again, Hulk, the movie is not about Hulk. Again, the movie is about Miss. No, Daisy. no, no. And and this sort of goes back to what I said about this friendship, this or, or the lack of friendship with her peers in the Jewish community. Yes, this is a movie about their relationship. Like I will grant you that she is the one we spend the most time with. Yes, but this is a film about their relationship. No, it is about their relationship, so that, but I think it's primarily from her so point of view. There is no reason for Hulk to be in this relationship that I'm not, you know, I keep hearing about it's a friendship. I'm not really sure where the friendship part is, but let's say it's a friendship. Like, there is nothing in the film that says, you know what? Another great black philosopher Maceo from a tribe called from a De La Soul says on the grand date, my father drove a bus. My father hated driving a bus, but my father loved his kids. So therefore he drove the bus. Okay. Every black person in the history of black people that had to work at one of these shitty jobs worked them because they loved their kids and they loved their family. Yes. And I don't want to be a chauffeur and deal with these white people's bullshit. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be a maid. I don't want to do whatever it is I got to do. But you know what? I got family that I love, that I have to do what I need to do. Yes. To feed them. Yes. This whole weird vein of American culture mm-hmm. where it's not enough that, that you know, we, we talked about nothing like a man. It's not enough that the whole economy has been configured that the only work you can get is this kind of work. Somehow, black people also got to love it too. Like, like, like people aren't happy unless we're happy yeah, in this in this world. And this is a prime example of it. Like I don't you, think they play him as like this man that is, is like like drop dead happy at his he job. He is no. content but they are playing with him as a job. man. You gotta remember this movie starts in the early, in the mid 40s. Yes. And in the mid 40s he's already 60 years old. Yes. So he's lived in a different America. He's grown up in a different America. Yes. And? So in in the America that he grew grew up in that he worked his way through this is where he is he did what you said. He didn't like driving. Maybe he didn't like driving for the judge. Maybe yes. he didn't like it. Maybe he solely did it for his for his kids. Right. right? Or daughter. We don't know if he for, has any Or for kids. his daughter. We don't right? know. Right. We don't know. We don't know. But we know he had a daughter. We know he has a daughter. So he, so he did That's it for his said. daughter. We never saw her. We don't know her name. But apparently he had one. Go ahead. He did These it, great friends. He did it for... for <laughs> These great friends. 
Oh, Hope, you're my only friend. I don't know your children's name or how many of them that you have, but go it's ahead. It's not about him. It's about her. Yes, that's a shortcoming of hers. That's that's not a, a, a supposed to be some great reflection on his feelings for her. It's supposed to be a great a, a, a reflection on her and where her life is at that point. That's mm-hmm. what it, I mean. While it is about their relationship, it's primarily about her. Okay, go ahead. Go and ahead, her go relationship ahead, go with ahead, him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go All right. Ahead. All right. So, so that's why that that scene is not supposed to be him, like you know, best friends. So, so how, how come he's how come he's working there well into the seventies? Well, well into the sixties. Why is he working there, Lynn? Why is he working there? Because that's his job. He don't need this job. You don't know what he does. First of all, that's not fair. You don't know whether or not you know just what? like you, you know what? Mister, it's you not know, in the text. You know what? You don't know whether right. or not he needs you know, the job. You know what? You're right. I don't know because it never comes up. Because it's not important it to the film. It is important. No, it is not. It is important to you. No, no, it's not important no, to Lynn, this film. It is important if you tell me and yes. everybody since 1989 has who, who defends this movie has been saying it. This is a film because again, I'm gonna keep pushing you. This is not about Miss Daisy. It is about Miss no. Daisy. This is a film about their friendship. It's about that too. No, not to the end. This is about their friendship. Because even when you get a little peek, like I'm a rod with you a little bit, like just because I because I love you and you and I have a friendship, I'm a rod with you a little bit with this her mahjong crew. And if I look at if I look at their eyes and and I kind of if I pause the film, if I pause the film and so she's looking off and and that's this great subtle moment in a film filled with subtlety. That you know her saying that she really is not friends with them. Even if I rod with you with that, the main characteristic of her character is that she is Jewish in the South. Yes, is that true? Yes. They barely even kind of like they kind of like like I was I was looking for something interesting. Like they had this one little detail where Dan Aykroyd's wife has these aspirations to be part of the Christian community yes. and they do Christmas stuff, the Christian community. And she does all this Christmas stuff. And she says, Miss Daisy says at one point that she will run all around with these people and she won't give a drink of water to anyone down at the temp at temple. Yes. And I said, Oh, we about to get into some, 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 you know, about being Jewish in the South in the sixties. No, we're not. Now it's time for frying chicken and teaching him how to read. And, you know, you I, I got to tell I got to make water, Miss Daisy. And it's like now we're back to this so that I don't think this film cares about Daisy as a person, because, again, she is barely sketched out as a character. This is a film that fetishizes, again, this weird fantasy about black white friendships but when the black friend is always in the subservient role that's all it is can i say something nice about it can i say something nice about miss daisy go ahead i think the set design is spectacular i love i love the set i actually love the the cinematography like it's that weird kind of eighties sepia tone that they do with mm. with that like eighties schmaltzy mm. sentim- sentimental films. Like I mean, we talked about Field of Dreams. Like Field of Dreams is lit that way too. Mm. Like the scene with the ice storm. 
mm. I thought was amazing. I thought that was good. I, I love the costumes. It, I, well, I, I love the costumes yeah, and, too. And, and it, got, it got nominated well, yeah. for makeup, and I think for set direction. Um, I, I can understand why this film didn't get nominated for best director, though. Okay. Because I felt that the direction was professional. Yes. Well done. Absolutely. But I don't think that it, it stood out right. in any way. I think what carries it is the acting. And I think that. Um, you thought than, Jessica Tandy was good? I didn't think she was good. You thought she was good? I thought she was good. Could she have been in Steel Magnolias? I, I don't know. I'm not. I, I've seen Steel Magnolias uh, once, and I had don't. How have, have you seen Steel Magnolias once? But you've seen this more than once. I like this more. Boy, have you wasted your time with '80s old white lady movies? Well, first of all, I didn't really like rush to Steel Magnolias because, to me, to me. Like if I want to see like an old eighties like like white people movie like right. this is a tearjerker right but I, old ladies old old white ladies well though. I don't first of all I don't need to see old white ladies okay but if I need just one old white lady yeah. in a movie and it's a tearjerker I go straight to the one that makes me cry every single time I watch it and that's Terms of Endearment okay all right I mean and, and if you see Terms of Endearment I you're gonna say Beaches please if you oh. if you see terms of endearment you don't need you, beaches and you, you don't need, need steel magnolia yeah. you don't need none of them i mean that's a good one you watch terms of endearment that's it that's you think, all that's you done think, you think jessica tandy rises like she could have been in terms of endearment no i think shelly i think uh uh shirley mclean is a better actress okay all right. uh, um especially for that role right i don't think that i don't think that jessica tandy could have played that role right right know? and then you said you're not a steel magnolia's dude which is a better question because there are significant old white lady roles in Steel Magnolias. So Isn't Steel Magnolias Bette Midler? No, that's Sally Field and Dolly Parton and Daryl Hannah and Shirley McClane and and um not Angelica Houston, but there's a, I, I'm her. She's right in front of my eyes. But yeah, like to me, that's like that's. Maybe. I'll, I'll watch 9 to 5. Jessica Tandy's just old. I watch 9 to 5, and then I'll watch the first season of Golden Girls. Jessica Tandy, <laughs> just old. No, I thought she I thought she was good. She just, what, what, when, where? Give me the scene. Give me, what, where's the package? Show me the package that they put together and they mailed to the Academy. Like, show me what was on the videotape that said Jessica Tandy driving Miss Daisy. What, what scene? The scene where she... Spots the missing can of salmon. You mean where she plays crotchety? It, I thought that was a well done scene. I thought she was good in that scene. Yeah, she was, I thought she, she played it all the way till the end where she like basically sends her she son was just off. Just sort of crotchety in. Just like, you know, like. And then he goes, Oh, mama. He doesn't go, Oh, mama. He doesn't say anything. I inferred that that's what he says because that's what he does. <laughs> He just sort of, Dan Aykroyd just sort of shakes his head. Oh, mama. Oh, Hulk. Oh, Hulk. Oh, mama. You scamps in that house. I mean, because certainly in 1961, bringing this strange black man in the house. That wasn't 1961. That was in the 50s. Oh, I'm sorry. The 1950s, bringing a strange black man to the house and let him, they just get into these hijinks. That's completely realistic too. That's the other. This whole film is science fiction. It's like the whole. Like I kept waiting. Like I kept waiting for like Star Lord's father to land the ship and Kurt Russell to get out and like plant some stuff. Submit it for your approval. Right. <laughs> 
Like, what is what is this? One Miss Daisy. Yeah. Like, but the black people are all sassy. I'm like, they real sassy for being yeah, in a the, place first of all, first where of all, somebody was lynched two wasn't blocks black from people, here. Wasn't black people being sassy? It was Ida Mae. Yeah, Ida Mae. And Ida Mae was being, she was she being a little sassy, sassy because of the, where their relationship was at that point. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that didn't ring true to you? Um, No, it didn't. <laughs> You don't know. No. You don't know. And Hulk was a little sassy early on, too. Mid-Daisy, you got this fine car. Why don't you get on in here walking to the Piggly Wiggly? It's like, wow, he that's a whole lot of bass in his voice uh, talking to on, that white woman on, in 1948. On, come on, Vince. Come on, Vince. I mean, that type of stuff happens in movie both ways. No. It happens both ways. No. It, <sighs> no. And, and not a movie that's supposed to be kind of based on, like, reality. I'm just saying, like, I'm not making up the fact that black people were terrorized psychologically and physically for less than what these people do in this movie. No, they they were. They were. That's true. It also is true that there were some black people whose lives at that time were closer to what is portrayed in this film as opposed to the other. The I'm so glad you said that. Because now you're talking about possible. I'm not talking about possible. I'm talking about it's true. As, I didn't say it wasn't true, but you said it's possible. I mean, it's true, but it's possible versus probable. Because I knew this was going to come up. There's been a zoo in Atlanta since 1899. Since 1899, it's been a couple of dozen incidents at the zoo. Animals escape, snakes. They had a snake issue in the Atlanta Zoo during the 80s for some reason. This whole notion of there were some black people that kind of sort of had some relationships like this would be like if every movie I made about Atlanta, there was a scene in a subplot about orangutans breaking into people's houses and stealing food because some orangutans had broken out of the zoo. It happened. Stuff animals have escaped from the Atlanta Zoo. That has happened, Lynn. There have been times that it has been possible and it has happened that in Atlanta, animals have escaped from the zoo so that if every film from now on about Atlanta has some little subplot about some escaped animals, mm-hmm. this is the same as this faithful black servant deal that possibly could have happened in the black people. And they had these relationships with these nice white people that they worked for and God bless them. And now let's, and then every five, 10 years we make, I mean, we just talked about this with the help. We just finished talking about that the help talk has just died down which makes me think that they about to come up with another like in the next three years it's going to be another movie about 1961 and some kindly kindly wise filled with sage advice negro servants wasn't that the butler well i mean well the butler too you know to dispense wisdom dispense wisdom to people you and i both have gray in our beards have we got are we supposed to be dispensing wisdom to white people 
I just realized that. He doesn't dispense wisdom in this movie. He's a, he's a little wisdom dispensing. When he actually shows up, his the first time he shows up, they actually play the magic true. the magic That's negro true. music and he fixes the elevator. That's true. And I actually wrote in my notes this N word is actually magical. That's true. And that's how they introduce you to him. And then he, he wasn't magical. He just knew. He what just, they did. he just, he just he knew what he just to knew. Push. I mean, I don't. He, it's not like he went up there like the Fonz. I mean, I'm just saying. I don't know how he. I mean, because he must not have read the instructions because he couldn't read. Hey, Lynn, how did that enhance the plot? The fact that he couldn't read. How did that pay off? It doesn't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know my letters, Miss Daisy. I, I, I make a, I know the, the, some of the sounds that they make, but I don't really know. But oh, Hulk, if you know the sounds, you can. I said this bullshit right. What is this bullshit right here? <laughs> and it went on. Why is that scene so long, Lynn? Why is it scene so long with him sounding out the letters and finding the tombstone? I mean, you because well, I'll be hunkered down, and then he used some type of weird home down home. I'll be, I'll be a spitting fiddle filled with buttermilk. That sure is what it is. Well, I'll be a catfish's whiskers. Well, I'll be and roll down the hill and break my crown. Okay, that thing could have been maybe <laughs> edited a wee bit, but but it was still. A nice, you know. This is terrible. <laughs> this film is terrible. I like the movie. You should be ashamed of yourself. Why should I be ashamed of myself? Because this I like is a movie. terrible movie. No, it's not a terrible that movie. Dehumanizes you as a black man. It does not. It does. I don't feel and it like does. I said, I don't feel dehumanized. Do you, know what? do you know what? I don't feel. Dehumanized. Go out there and give some white people some advice, Lynn. I don't go give some advice. I, go well, be kindly. I actually gave a, a white person advice this. Week. Were you kindly? Were you kindly, Lynn? I was. Sir. Were you kindly? I actually was. Does he know about your family? Does he know about your job? It was a, does he it know was about a young your, girl. Does, does she know about your hopes and dreams no. and aspirations? No. So she actually went home and said, this magical black man gave me some advice. Yes, actually. That's, that's, uh, that's exactly what she did. Well, I have no desire to be anybody's magic black man. Except for my wife. But yeah, and again, this is ground zero. <laughs> like this is the mo- like this is you know we t- and then you know again it ain't even that good. Like it is a good movie. It is not a good movie. It Lynn. is. It's well. It's 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 well it's, what? It's well what? <laughs> it's well what? Because you just said you didn't like the direction. It's well acted. Really, Lynn? I think Jessica Tandy is good in it. And I, I'm sorry. You think I'm Jessica so- Tandy is good in this? I think she's good in it. And I do read Morgan Freeman. I look at it through the lens of Mudbone. And I can, you, I, you I, know I can damn enjoy well. I enjoy Mud- this. You know what? Mudbone would take all the hoax money in a card game. Well, I didn't say that. I didn't say that he. Yes. Yes, he would. I, I, I enjoyed Driving Miss Daisy. Do you know how dumb Mudbone would call Hulk? Do you know what Mudbone would say about Hulk? What would he say, Vince? Well, I'm not going to use the words that Mudbone would use. I'm going to say this. Mudbone ain't doing nothing with no Hulk. I don't know how Hulk 
lived to be as old as he was. I ain't never seen no old black man this stupid in my life. I ain't no black man could be this stupid and live this long. I didn't see. See, I don't think Hulk was stupid. I don't think he was a stupid man. Well, outside of the magic, I don't think he was a stupid man. I I enjoyed his character. I enjoyed this film. I do not necessarily believe that it is a black film. However, I can understand it. On a scale of one to Shawshank Redemption, where do you put this? At Morgan Freeman performance. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's not. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't think that I would put this in, like in his top five or anything like that. You wouldn't put this in his top five. No, but you like it. I, li- I like the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like the movie. Yeah, right. I like the movie. Mm-hmm. I do. Right. I mean, maybe ultimately it doesn't go in the top ten. Off the top of my uh-huh. head, I, I'm. I, I don't know. I, I'm not even sure if I can come up with five. Uh-huh. Well, no, I can come up with and five. And I can't uh, ask you about Jessica Tandy's performance because, you know. I thought she was good. No, I'm talking about when in, in her list of performances. Cause, I'm not, I, I, I'm cause not, she, I'm not as well versed in Because she didn't do really anything that. And, you know, I think she won a Tony at some point when she was like 20. Okay. And yeah. she's married to Hume. Hume Crone. She's married to Hume Crone. But, yeah, Jessica, she's just old. Well, I, 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 I mean, hey, I thought she was good. I thought she was good. And then, hey, and if you think that she's this old, there's a whole lot of people that, you know, are just old and skating on just being old. Right. Like Jessica Tandy in this. No, 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 no. I, th- I thought she was good. So would you recommend? People? I would absolutely recommend Driving Miss Daisy. I think everyone should watch Driving Miss Daisy. I think people should study watching Miss Daisy because as I've said before, I've alluded to it and said, but now I will say it right now. I have known since 1989 that the Academy Awards last one, Lynn, was some bullshit because of Driving Miss Daisy. When Do the Right Thing wasn't even nominated and driving Miss Daisy. This wasn't that year. Do the right thing. It was nineteen ninety. No, this was. It was the same year. This was the same. That was always the thing. That was always Spike Lee's thing. That the year that this one, do the right thing, wasn't even nominated. It was nominated for a couple of other things, mm-hmm. but not this. Then the fact that it won Best Picture and it didn't win Best Director. Like once I realized what that meant. I said, oh, yeah, the Oscars. Hey, I don't pay. I ain't paid attention to the Oscars since that year. And again, they keep remaking it. They keep. I feel like Whoopi Goldberg remade a version of this three, four times. She another one good to be in somebody's kitchen (laughs) offering sage advice. Wow, you coming at people neck. It's like, damn, do you have a house? Like, do you people live anywhere? You just kind of like they kind of put on these uniforms and go in the closet and then the next morning they come out and snap peas and give sage advice to these white people. Do do the right thing was nominated in the 1990 uh, Academy Awards. So it was not the night. It was not the 1989 Academy Awards. Well, then Spike Lee was wrong. <laughs> and so were you. Yes. I mean. <laughs> I swore it was the same year. No, it was not. It was the following year. Well, regardless, it won the best picture. <laughs> he said regardless. 
it won best picture and from the moment it won best picture because again if this was a lifetime movie i'd say oh that you know what that was like my mom got her knee replaced and like i was in the room with her all day kind of watching tv Mm-hmm. And like if this came on Lifetime and they said now a special Lifetime film driving Miss Daisy. I said, you know what? That wasn't bad for a Lifetime film. Oh, no, you were right. It was the same year. I thought it was the same year. <laughs> it was the same year. Danny Aiello was uh, <clears throat> nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And well, he should have been. And he lost. Yeah, but he, he should have. Well, who won that year? That was uh, the year that Denzel Washington won for Glory. I think Danny Aiello was better than Denzel Washington that year. I think Danny Aiello is better in Do the Right Thing than Denzel Washington is in, in Glory. And the irony about Do the Right Thing in this conversation, and eventually we'll get to Do the Right Thing, this whole notion of of driving Miss Daisy kind of showing this cross-racial relationship and this friendship, I have maintained for decades that the tragedy of do the right thing is that Mookie and Sal actually love each other. Yes, they do. Like this is they do actually and it's evident on the screen. Yo, don't get me do the right thing is no no is, no no, is, no. It's a better movie. I'm just saying. I'm just saying when they talk about because again this this sort of the the politics of driving Miss Daisy okay. and then the the nostalgia and this sort of again I think people people like this notion of a cross racial friendship. And everybody kind of went to this and right over is this much more substantive, beautiful relationship that is sort of affected by the world. Like the world actually affects this relationship where even at the end, these two men love each other where they fight over the hundred dollar bill. Yeah. And he's like, look at us. It's like, this is terrible because these two actually love each other. And then you get Drive Miss Daisy. So, yes, I think everybody should watch Drive Miss Daisy. And don't drink when you watch it. Make sure you've had all your sleep. You need to be wide-eyed and attentive so that you can see what the Academy Awards said should be one of the best pictures. Well, you're right. I mean, that year... Do the right thing was clearly the best picture, and it was not nominated, um, and that that is criminal. W- would you recommend Drive Miss Daisy? I would. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> I would recommend Driving Miss Daisy, but. Here's the th- here's the thing. When it comes, to- <laughs> boy, it's tough when you're doing. Here's the thing. Usually, I'm here's the thinging. <laughs> When it comes to recommended movies, right? <laughs> I I always picture two people in my head, okay, of whom I'm recommending the movies to, because because I can't I can't choose like my girlfriend, uh, Tawana Lily Triple, because she loves everything. Okay, she gives everything a pass. That's nice, you know. She likes she likes driving mistakes. Well, you said she gives everything a pass. That falls into everything. Yeah, but she likes everything yeah. Tyler Perry. So, so, so I always picture two people. Okay. And the people that I picture is one of my co-hosts on Black Tribbles. Okay. Eric, the okay. master Tribble. All right. Because he's a filmmaker. All right. And he's a big movie. Like he, he likes picking apart movies and stuff like that. We should have him on. Eric, why have you not been on? He, he, he'll make his way here. All right. 
and then the other one is Ariel, Ariel Johnson of <laughs> Amalcom Comics. I always picture those two. Oh my God, I would pay money to sit and watch this with Ariel. You see, and I. <gasps> <laughs> When I think that I want to recommend this movie, I see them both hitting me upside the head as they're watching the film. Oh, my God. I would love to watch this with Ariel. Just slapping me upside the head. (laughs) Miss Daisy, I was going to have to stop. I got to make water. How's I look? Me and the man. I like the movie. Okay, I like it. It's got issues. I like it. It's like a run of detective comics. It's got a lot of issues. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I think you should watch it, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So that's two recommendations. Absolutely. And let me know what you think. Because I think that there are people out there that may like it My father loves this movie. There you go. My father loves this movie. Your dad likes it. My father loves driving this. And he's a man of a certain age. He's a southern man of a certain age. So he can respect. My father loves driving. How much time? Because I can see. Because see, here's the thing. Because here's the thing about back to why he worked there. So, and I know we're going long now, but this is important. So just like you said, it's possible. Oh, and these people, they work for them. And then this, uh, my father said the same thing about my great-grandmother. Okay, Big Mama worked for, I think, the Anderson family. Worked for them for years. And she right. talked about a nice Anderson family. And then she left and she worked for uh, um high school cafeteria but for years she worked for the Anderson family and my father said and big mama loved the Anderson family and they were good people and this and another and I told my father that don't sound right that that she loved the Anderson family a because you were a boy child and is your grandmother saying this to you and I've been around long enough to know that gendered stories right are told differently right but more importantly my grandmother my great grandmother's daughter, Annie Mae Williams, was, if not the first, one of the first insurance collectors, black women insurance collectors in the state of Alabama. And for those oh, wow. of you that don't know, black people get insurance policies and people would go and collect yes. every every week, basically. For them. So that my grandmother always had large sums of cash and everybody knew she also had a pistol. And one you afraid like my grandmother was like a real badass. <laughs> and I knew that somewhere between Big Mama and Granny, the message had gotten through that this is not some work you want to do. So much so that my grandmother basically invented a job. She invented a brand new job for black women rather than work for somebody like this. Postscript to that. Years later, my first cousin, Aisha, a girl, lived with Big Mama and said, you know, and I was talking to Aisha. I said, yeah, you know, my dad always says Big Mama love. And she said Big Mama hated them people. 
The man was handsy and this, that, and the other, and everything that you hear about these black women working these jobs in these kitchens with these families. But she had to work and she had kids and she had to feed her kids. And if you asked her, she said, Oh, well, they're good people. Ain't nothing wrong. I like the Andersons. But the real story was always different. Yes. And the problem is in these films, these black people are only the black people that exist in the white imagination. Like, there's no way somebody gonna have to show me a picture of um, and I just forgot the playwright's name. Alfred Urey. Somebody gonna have to show me a picture of Alfred Urey at a cookout playing spades. For me to believe that he knows some black people. Okay, but again, the movie is is about Miss Daisy. Yes, is it from his fractured, does his look at the black experience come from his fractured point of view? Yes, it does. But I don't think he's trying to offer up any, like, you know, deep tryst on the black exploitation, on the black experience, and I don't think necessarily that it's, it's wrong if that's not his motivation, I keep you keep saying that, but I'm going back to this friendship. This is a film about their friendship. It's still yes, it is from their friendship. It's, it's their friendship, but it's their friendship as viewed primarily through her lens. You know what friends do? Friends know each other. Okay, but she don't know him. It it again. I point out that the friendship is clearly one sided. Oh, I don't know. It's how not. It's not. It it's, it's not a friendship of equal of equal terms. Except, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't. Uh, it doesn't mean that Hope doesn't also still have some uh, uh, affection for her. It may not be the, the leaving your family on Thanksgiving morning. Like, like I ain't even gonna say he spent all day with her. But leaving your family on Thanksgiving morning, early afternoon, to go spend some time with—that's a whole lot of affection. Well, okay, that is. And maybe you wouldn't do it. I don't know anybody that would do that. Well, that I see that's that is where you're wrong. Leave their family. There's a lot of people. Leave Vince, their family. Vince, Vince. There's a whole lot of people. There's a ton of people. A great many people who will get up in the morning on Thanksgiving, and they will go and see a friend. They'll go see somebody indigent that they know or something like that because they know that the rest of their day they're going to be with their family or if their family for whatever reason is not in that area not a friend somebody you used to work for see but you're looking at it through that lens that there obviously is some level of affection on his part i think he i think he sincerely did well that's the part that i found unrealistic well, that I, he has his I, affection. I don't like. That's what I find unrealistic. I don't. I don't think his affection may not be on the same level that she feels for him. But I, 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 I don't find it unrealistic that he felt affection for her. Just like I don't think it's. Unrealistic. Well, where were the escape gorillas then? It, it doesn't. I don't think it is. It, there clearly is some level of affection in her relationship with Ida May, even though they are totally dis, disassociated throughout most of the movie. There obviously is some level of affection there. You think so? Do you think that her going to her funeral was just perfunctory, and she felt like you know I would be it would be wrong for me not to do it? Yes, that's exactly what I think. Well, I I disagree. I've been to lots of funerals because you just sort of had to go. Well, okay, I, I... driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. I disagree. So, what we watching next week? <laughs> 
You want to watch like uh, Karina Karina? Karina Karina? Yeah, that's when Whoopi Goldberg goes and joins a white family and she dispenses sage advice. <laughs> Helps them kind of make come to some understanding about the world and life. No. I, um, I don't want to watch Karina You, you Karina. sure? Cause, I mean, no, no. It, it's a friendship. <laughs> There's genuine affection. Okay. No. Um, I had a, a, a thought of the movie that I wanted to see. Ah. You know what I want to see next? What are we going to watch next? Baby's Kids. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Any particular reason? No. Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. I mean, if I mean, I guess Coonskin was in a lot of ways. This is our first animated film. Well, Coonskin was animated. I mean, half of half. Yeah, yeah. It was more than half. Okay, all right. Yeah, Baby's Kids. Baby's Kids. Okay. I think the reason why is because, and I was totally unaware of this, and I don't. I'm not even sure of the title of it because I told you, Tawana loves. Tyler Perry movies. So yes. she, there was a Tyler Perry Labor Day marathon. <laughs> You know what? You have genuine affection for Tawana. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I was unaware that Tyler Perry has done an animated movie. Uh, It's like a Medea movie, right? Yeah. It's like an animated Medea movie. Yeah. 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 Damn stuff. Boy. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that was, I only watched like five minutes of it. That was rough. That was rough. <laughs> You know, Lamont Rucker is on Greenleaf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lamont Rucker is terrible. <laughs> like, I keep Because, you know, Greenleaf is, like, all right. We've talked about Greenleaf. Yeah. Like, I like Greenleaf. Yeah. Like, it's obviously not Queen Sugar. Right. But Greenleaf is all right. And, boy, Lamont Rucker, like, every time he's on screen, it's just like a thud. Yeah. It's just like. And I thought it was maybe the, the Tyler Perry scripts. No. And I'm going, you know, maybe, but yeah, he's, whew. you know what? It's a shame because he's a guy. He has the look. He's good looking dude. He's, he's got good looking look, dude, but boy, but man, he's he's he's, uh, he's wallpaper. He's it is. He's and and like, sorry, bro. I mean, you know, and I know you're probably friends with Dorian. I mean, I'm and glad Dorian's like, well, I guess I can't put him. I on mean, the show. I'm glad he's acting and doing his thing. Yo, you're a working actor. God bless you. God Make bless points, you. Boo. And and like I said, I do like Greenleaf, but oh boy, yeah, man, it, it's everybody sort of skipping around him acting. It's yeah. like his daughter, his wife, just everybody. And then every now and then they'll have him in the scene with Keith David, and you just sort of wince. Oh yeah, it's like, oh, mm. why do you put them together? Well, I guess he's his son, so they gotta have him sometimes. Yeah, got to some once in a while. He's gonna. Yeah, so, so Baby's Kids. So we watching Baby's Kids. <laughs> Interesting. All right. I wanted to watch a halfway decent black animated. Movie. <laughs> it's not. It's, 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 it, the pickings are few. It, it, I mean, I look. What is it? It's, it's, I can't think of another It's Bebe's Kids. It's, you know, you talked about Coon the skin. Tyler Perry thing. Tyler Perry movie. Coon skin. Um, That's it. We decided that the um, that, that film won a black film. I forgot the name of it. The, the one with Chris Rock. 
where he plays a Osmosis white Osmosis Jones. We, we decide that Osmosis Jones that's isn't not, a black film. That's not a black film. He's just, okay. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I wouldn't say that's a black film. You know, I've heard people make the argument that the Goofy movie is a black film. <laughs> that's like real nerd core right there. Like, I've heard people kind of say it is the blackest animated movie ever. So. That's, uh, that's racist. Oh! The, the, uh, the Frog Princess. We'll have to do that. The Princess and the Frog. We'll have to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Star my girl. I've never seen it. It's it it is it's so funny. So so my daughter. What are we? We're like, we're like hour three at this point. Yeah. Uh, this is the Godfather of the Michelle. Michelle. My father. My father. My my daughter went through a, a Princess Tiana phase because you okay. know it came out when she was actually a little girl. Yeah, because it, it missed my daughter. And, you know, I've, you know, me, like I was enraged by like, you know, spoiler, like her dad dies like five minutes into it. And then like her prince isn't black. So it's like he's sort of swarthy. And so, of course, you know, it's like, why can't my daughter have a prince that looks like her father and this, that and other? I was filled with rage about the princess and the frog and this, that and other. And then um, (laughs) my cousin actually said, because the, the, the plot is. The dude who is the prince is like the 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 fifth son or some son where he's technically a prince, but mm-hmm. he don't have any money. Right, and he's actually like try like he wants to be a musician, mm-hmm. but he needs a job. <laughs> so he and and Princess Tiana is like she works hard and she wants to get a restaurant. And my cousin said, "Now if he was black, you'd be mad because the black dude is trifling and done work." And uh, and I said, "You know what? You're right." And then ever since then, I made my you piece. Oh, I made my piece. Trust me. <laughs> don't think they did. They didn't test market that. Right, right. I Somewhere mean, out there, there is a uh, a character sketch where that character looks like a. He looks like like Idris Elba. Yeah, but he's like sitting sloop now, like like drinking out a bottle. Exactly. Yeah. And they said, it's going to be rough. But Anika Noni Rose. So we can do that at some point, too. We'll do that at some point. But next week. Next week will be Bebe's Kids. Bebe's Kids. All right. All right. (sighs) (laughs) By the time we take out all the curse words, it'll be an hour. Um, This show, as you know, is available. On MichelleMission.com, as well as on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn, and the CLNS Podcast Network, as well as the Black Tribbles Podcast Network. And a condensed version is available as a radio broadcast on WPPM LP 106.5 FM, Philadelphia and Camden, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. It also streams on their radio signal on WPPM.org slash radio. All right. We got to get out of here because it is long. (laughs) Um, I'm Lynn. He's Vince. And in parting, we say, Lynn, you're my best friend. Now we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.